Good morning. Uh, I'm glad everybody is here this morning. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 in just a minute, but uh, let me tell you what I want you to hear. My one thing is, and you get a little bit different than what the online version is getting because I changed my little statement. That's a great thing about pre-recording. So my one thing is act like it matters, which will make sense as we go on. Uh, did you know that the Summer Olympics were supposed to end about a month ago? Any Olympic, like, nuts? And not in a bad way, but, like, really excited about the Olympics. But it was supposed to go on, ended about a month ago, which I didn't know that until I Googled it earlier. Uh, but it is postponed until 2011. Surprise, surprise. Uh, corona has taken one more thing from us. Uh, or COVID has taken one more thing from us. But imagine the heartbreak of every athlete that has spent the last few years, maybe even their entire life, training, preparing, um, trying out to win a spot in an event for the Olympics. And it's gotten postponed for another year. And their lives are about nothing else. I mean, really, the athletes at this place at this pinnacle of their life there cannot be much else in their life other than preparing for this because if they slack someone more disciplined will gladly take their spot to go to the olympics the saddest part is the greater majority of these people will only go home with an experience literally I mean, a great experience to be an Olympic athlete, to go to the Olympics, to just be a part of all of it would be amazing. But most of them are literally just going to go home with the experience of being a part of it. And the ones that do go home with gold, silver, or bronze, they leave with a medal. And the gold in 2018, the medal that they gave you, was valued at $606. Your country, one country that doesn't get very many gold medals, I think they were offering like a half a million dollars if you brought home a gold medal. So there might be other prizes to that. But the the thing that you're going for, that gold medal, that coveted thing that you leave with, $606. And people have given their lives for the chance of taking home the gold. Like I said, I know the value of that medal isn't just in the medal, but I want to make a point. The value of the prize, the value of the reason, matters. Today's text will challenge you to know the prize you are running after, to value the thing that is asking you to sacrifice more than your inconvenience of sitting through one of my sermons, which is a joke because they're all amazing. (laughs) Just kidding. Let's pray. Uh, Dearly Father, um, not that you are already here, but Lord, we need your influence as we hear your word, that it would convict us to action, that it would move us to changing the way we view what we do and why we do it. Lord, I pray that today wouldn't just be us hearing things that we're not doing, and feeling bad about it, but today would be a day that we see what we can do and we start moving towards it. 
So Lord, we thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy as we navigate the life that you've called us to. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're continuing on in 1 Corinthians, Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. He begins chapter 9 telling readers that he is willing to surrender all his rights so that the gospel won't be hindered. People are the mission. The message of the gospel is our work. And salvation through Jesus' completed work on the cross is the prize. Paul was always on mission. Always at work because he knew the value of the prize. Romans 10 has an um, interesting dialogue for those that you know, are interested about how and why the gospel should be shared. And Romans 10, starting in 13, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what He has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That little section right there coming out of Isaiah is pointing to the fact that it is not over. The the mission is not completed. All All that need to hear have not heard, and that is still the same today. They have not all obeyed the gospel. So this leads us into 1 Corinthians 9. And the beginning, I'm going to give you a section, 18 through 23, um, that isn't the primary. I, I want to, my, my primary is 24 through 27, but I want you to understand how far Paul is willing to go for the gospel. And this is after him saying, I'm going to give up everything. I'm going to give up my right to receiving anything from you, collecting any money, collecting any um, due that he should have. He said, what then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. Something he's letting go. He's like, hey, I'm okay. Like he literally decided that he was going to be a tent maker. That's what he was before. He was going to put his hands to a job and not collect anything, even though in his text previous, he said, hey, it's okay to do so, but he's not going to put any hindrance for people hearing the gospel. In verse 19, it says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jew, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, then I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save 
some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessing. Paul was more willing to do anything necessary for him to connect with people to share the gospel. That was his primary. That's what his life was lived for. That was what he was all about. He fought for it. And and this was not his original goal. (laughs) Paul, when he started out in what we, when we find him uh, in Acts, Paul was trying to destroy the church that he is now willing to die for. Paul was asking permission to pursue to the destruction of what was the church at the time when God had an encounter with him, knocked him off his horse on his way to destroy the church and said, you will be my servant. So for all of those who are struggling with people that you're like, why won't they? Look, God has purpose and plan, and even the most far-off person, God can knock off their horse and call them into something greater. That was Paul's life. And since then, he has given everything he has to a mission that he wasn't, he didn't, He didn't go up and sign up for a small group and decide, I'm going to be in ministry. He didn't go put his name on the list. God put his name on his list. Whole nother sermon. And so now he's going to go into this section. So he's in Corinth, which is in Greece, which is a major port city. And they're very familiar. When Paul wrote these words to the Corinthian church, he assumed that they all knew about the games. The Olympic Games took place in Greece every four years without interruption from 776 B.C. until they were suppressed by Emperor Thaddeus in A.D. 393. That's 1,169 years. Everyone knew about the Games. So Paul didn't have to explain the games. Everyone was aware of them. This is why he uses example out of their life. This is why when we talk to people, we can use present day illustrations because they understood. They understood the game. So he's getting ready to go into a dialogue that he doesn't have to explain because they're very familiar with what an athlete goes through. And if you've been alive for any period of time, if you ever watched any stories of any Olympic athletes, you see what they have done to get themselves to that place. And so here we go in verse 24. It says, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize So run that you may obtain it. Run that you may obtain it. I I don't know if you've seen, but when people line up at the 100-yard dash or the 400-meter or the 800-meter or whatever, the one mile, they line up and they run, and the fastest one is going to win the prize. And he's not saying, hey, you have to be faster than the person beside you, because I believe in another text that we're going to go here in just a second in Hebrews, that God has called you to run your race. And your race isn't against anyone else. I don't line up beside someone else. Like right now, if I went out uh, with Alan, Alan would probably beat me in a foot race. Okay, okay, let's not get cocky. Let's not get cocky. 
But the truth is, it's not like that in our spiritual life. And I think a lot of us miss out on what God wants to do through you because you look at the Allens out there that are faster than you and go, well, I cannot, I'm not. Why don't I just let them? Instead of deciding that you have a race, that God has a purpose specifically for you, that if you run it, you will bring home the prize. So what are you chasing after? The key is understanding why you are running. Verse 25, it says, Every athlete exercises, and this is an ugly word, self-control. In all things, they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we, and an imperishable. These athletes literally... They've given up everything. Most of them do not understand the taste of chocolate. They don't understand sleeping in. They don't understand slacking off. They don't understand giving less than 100% because anything less than that would keep them from what they're going after. And what Paul is telling to the people there, look, the reason why they 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 decide to have self-control. The reason why they say no to certain things is because what they're going after after is of higher value. And what God calls His children to do <laughs> is to go to say no to some things, not because he's, you know, He wants to deprive you of things. He wants you to say no to things because they're going to hinder you from getting the thing that you desire which is to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We want to please God because the prize is greater than the sacrifice. But until we see that, we'll never decide to sacrifice. You may not know this, but if you've hung around me for any period of time, um, I do this little thing in the morning called F3. <laughs> Have you heard of it? And I get up, uh, my alarm goes off from 4.15 to 4.30, Monday through Friday, on the regular. And I get up. There's no prize that I'm going to win. I, at the end of the workout, we don't, give, <laughs> we don't get participation trophies. We do get to be in an Amarama, and we do have you know, sweat, so we've earned some calories burned. But there's no reason for me to go do that other than it's a discipline. It's a, it's a desire for me to be healthy. And I'm saying no to a lot of things to get up at 4.15, which one of those is watching shows past 10 o'clock at night. Mostly because if I sit still any time past 8, I will fall asleep. Ask my wife. I have fallen asleep many a time during the middle of an episode of Office at 8.32 or Parks and Rec, depending on where we're at. Because I'm deciding that I want to better my physical body. And there's things in your life that you've made decisions that you've said no to because of what you'll get out of it. And what I want you to hear this morning is until you value the why, 
you're going to say no to some things. Like an Olympic athlete that's going to say no to certain types of food, to certain types of activities, to certain types of drinks, to certain types of things that they would do because they have a goal in mind. I want to let you know there is something, just like Paul is saying, they're chasing after a wreath that's going to wither and die. They're chasing after a gold medal that at some point will be nothing but a trinket collecting dust or sold to collect for a little pocket money. Twenty-six. This is Paul. He says, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. He's like, I don't do it for no reason. Like, I don't just do it to do it. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, least after preaching to others, I myself may be disqualified. What is worth giving your life for? Because whether you know it or not, and I say this a lot on Sunday mornings, you're giving your life for something right now. You're sacrificing one thing for another right now. Whether it's time, whether it's the job that you're committed to, whether it's whatever, the, the money you're earning, you're, sacri- you're giving up one thing to do another. And all I'm telling you right now is that until you value the reason why God has awakened in us life in Him, until we value Him so much that we're willing to say no to some things for the better, we're going to miss opportunities. And, and, and please hear me. Romans, and this is on the screen, Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is not, I'm not sitting here condemning those who are children of God. I'm, I'm hoping there's a little bit of conviction that moves you into doing something with your life, sacrificing something now for the greater good. Because the truth is, there is an end to this race. There is a prize at the end of this race. There is something eternal that we're all chasing after. So here's a question for you. What is out of control in your life. Like, what's something you're just like, I cannot get a handle on whatever. And what would it look like if you acted like it mattered? Like, what, what? And I'm just going to tell you, um, 99% of the reason why I get up in the morning to go work out with some unnamed people that are in this room, is because they're there. And because if I'm not there, they're going to ask me why I'm not there. Accountability is one of the, it is one of the greatest tools that we have access to. And I believe that in the text today, as we continue on, that God's going to stir something in you. He's going to point out something in you that you're like, yes, I need to do this. This is out of control in my life. And it may not even be something major, but it may be something that the Holy Spirit is convicting you over. And let me just, I want to tell you, ask somebody to stir the pot with you. 
Say, this is what's going on. I need help here. Look, I'm not going to get up at 4.15 in the morning and walk outside my door and run by myself. I've tried it. I go downstairs because no one's waiting on me and I fall asleep on the couch. I've done it. I will do it tomorrow. Like if tomorrow I say I'm not going to go to F3, I'm just going to run. I'm going to get up. I'm going to go downstairs because I'm like a robot in the morning. Like I cannot help hearing the alarm and going downstairs. That's just what I do. But if I just decide I'm going to go run by myself, I'm going to go, yeah, 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 I'll do that in a minute. And I'll be asleep. And like an hour later, Jody will walk downstairs and say, you didn't go to work out, did you? But because people are there, because I've, I've committed to being a part of something, I'm going to go because of the accountability. And I believe that God um, wants us to live in this. And one of the reasons why we offer community groups, one, because I believe the God who created us exists in community, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, community. He created us in his image. And I believe more than anything that you were created to live in thrive in community. Community is where we find accountability. It's where we move forward. I would not be where I am today without other men in my life looking me in the face and saying, something needs to change. This isn't okay. You need to do something about this. And it stirs us to more. Look at this in Hebrews 12. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of of the throne of God. I do this other kind of silly thing, and every time I tell people that aren't in our little group that I ruck, they're like, what's that? You put a book bag on, it's got a steel plate in it, and you walk around. <laughs> like, how idiotic is that, right? It's 30 pounds, and it, you know, 30 pounds doesn't sound heavy until you hold this 30 pound, 30, I should have brought it today, 30 pound plate. It's ridiculous. And let me just tell you, like he says right here, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so closely, that uh, clings so closely. I can run not as fast as Alan. Of course, we've already clarified that. I can run a lot faster without a 30-pound weight strapped to my back. I just can. You can also. And what Paul is saying here is like whatever, so whatever is out of control, whatever is clinging to you, Set it aside so that you can run the race that is set before you, which I believe everyone in this room that calls themselves a child of God, God has set a race before you. It's your race. The only person that you're running against is you. And all God's trying to do is to get you in the race. At the Summer Olympic Games in Mexico City in 1968, there was a runner named John Stephen Aquera. Um, and he was scheduled to run the marathon representing Tanzania. Shortly after the race began, Aquera fell, causing serious injury to both knee and ankle. He received some medical attention and then bandaged up and still bleeding, got back on the trail and resumed the race. 
He limped, hobbled, and skipped. Two hours after the other competitors had finished, John Stephen Aquara crossed the finish line. He even took a victory lap around the stadium when the reporter asked him why he had continued in the race. When it was clear he would win no medal, Aquara replied, My country did not send me 7,000 miles to enter a race. They sent me here to finish it. Man, is that not good? Look, look. God called you into his kingdom with, with purposes that are higher than anything else that you're sacrificing your time, effort, and energy outside of that too. And he's called you into that kingdom to finish well. That's literally what he, he's right now when it says he's beside the, the throne of God, the right hand, he's praying for his children. I think sometimes, because of our upbringing, we look at God like our father who's angry because we broke something else or we did something else and frustrated. If, you're, if you've had a dad, you've probably seen the faces. And it's easy to put that face on the father. And when you do something stupid, which we all do stupid things, all, no one in this room, including me, has, has walked in purity even after the Holy Spirit has entered our lives, we, we do some dumb things, smaller dumb things, hopefully. And if we're not careful, we'll look up to heaven and feel that God is disappointed in us. And in that disappointment, we shriek away and do nothing. Where I believe he's praying for us beside the Father, that he's sitting there cheering us on, saying, get up. Just like John Stephen, it's not too late to get up, to get bandaged up, and to get back out there. Because what you do out there for the kingdom is of the greatest value. The only thing that will matter at the end of your life will be how you influenced others According to the gospel. Everything else will die away. Everything else, even if you become really famous and it gets written in a history book, a thousand years from now, it won't matter. And probably no one will know of your history. But many people give their entire life to things that don't matter. When Paul is saying, hey, we've got to set our eyes on the prize. Because the only way that you're going to sacrifice and discipline yourself is when you understand why you're doing it. So act like it matters. I'm going to invite our worship team back up. I think anytime we have messages like this, there's, there's a conviction that feels really bad. And there's one of two things that can happen to you. You can leave here and you can feel worse about yourself and do even less than you did before because you feel like you have failed already. Or you can leave this room and decide that 
the power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you as a child of God. And that same power wants to bring life to your mortal bodies. And if you don't decide, like hopefully there's been some like, I need to. And here's, here's my encouragement for you today. Come up with, what are, if things are out of control, if there's things that aren't going well, and let me just fill in some, some blanks that should be at the beginning of your list. If you're not in the Word of God, something's out of control. Because as much as we consume other people's opinions, through media and news and the radio and just conversations, as much as we consume others' opinions, if we don't balance that out with the truth that is in the Word, our life will really be out of control. And if you aren't spending time talking to God through prayer, it's something that's out of control. Prayer is one of the easiest things that we can do to acknowledge our need. Because if you open your mouth or mind to pray to God, it is an open acknowledgement that you cannot and that you need Him. And prayer is a simple way every day that you can humbly say that I am desperate for you. And the list continues on. And I encourage you to make a list of things that you want to do. If you were going to today decide to be an Olympic athlete, which is too late for most of you, maybe there's a chance. But if you were to decide today, there would be lots of things that you would have to give up immediately for you to even begin the journey. And all I'm asking for you, if that's for a perishable, something that will wither, rust, go away, How much more so are you willing to give up to sacrifice for something that is imperishable? And then I encourage you to invite somebody into that. Be bold enough to say, here's my list. Help me. Help me. Encourage me through this. Because at the end of this life, there will be the only regret that you will have is what you didn't do in the gospel. No one's ever on their deathbed desired for one more dollar, for one more trinket. Let's pray. Lord, you know what's going on inside of our heart. You know what we're wrestling it with. You know what weight we're carrying around. And Lord, I pray this morning that we would acknowledge and lay faithfully aside the things that are hindering us from the prize of your kingdom, from the prize of sharing the gospel. Lord, from the prize of just knowing you knowing that we are loved by you. And so, Lord, right now, we just pray that um, for us in this room, that there's things that we know we need to do. We know that we're not disciplined in, that we want to be disciplined in. Lord, I pray that you would help us act on that. That we wouldn't leave here today with some resolution of stepping into this and, Lord, inviting others to help us along the way.
And Lord, for those in this room that are still sitting on the fence of whether you are even a prize, Lord, I pray that you begin to open eyes and hearts and minds to the one that created them, the one that loves them, the one that desires a connection again with them. Lord, so open our hearts and our minds to you this morning. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.